tonight, um, I would just I would sort of carry over the theme from the last series of classes a little bit. Uh, Rosie, I think, had mentioned that uh, someone had tried to facilitate a little bit more on those classes that we had done, the three-legged stool. Yeah, and um, just to sometimes when uh, I come uh, to those classes and it starts me inquiring and looking into a subject, it just doesn't stop because the classes stop. It keeps uh, getting very um, rich in terms of the understanding that comes out. So tonight I'd like to talk about the evolution of view, the evolution of view. And I think it's, um, I think this is an important uh, to understand how this hooks up with the other classes and also how it's a sort of a stand-alone talk on its own. Because I think uh, <clears throat> there can be a growing frustration from people who uh, meditate for a number of months or years and yet feel somehow that uh, they're on a plateau and they're not really moving, uh, not really growing in relationship to their meditation. And how we can get stuck uh, within a particular frame of reference for our meditation, what our meditation is about. And it's often that frame of reference, more than the meditation itself, that uh, keeps us stuck or feeling as if we're not growing and not uh, learning uh, anything new. I think the, uh, the one most unsatisfying quality of meditation is that there's, uh, it has no production. It doesn't give you anything. To try to get our hands around that as the purpose uh, really means nothing to us because the view that we usually hold of the world is that it gives us something. We act and, and uh, work, put forth energy and effort in order to acquire or to contain or to maintain something or other. And the fact of meditation is that certainly it starts affecting our life in some mysterious way. It may make us uh, a little quieter inside. We can feel a growing sense of calm and peace usually, more tranquility, perhaps a little more balance. And many of us then think that our meditation is working because those qualities are being generated. We may go through 10 15 years of that that uh, process of deepening our calm and our quietude, but inside there's a there could be or can be often a growing um, impatience for something else because in the end peace, quiet, tranquility, calmness is not enough. It's nice, makes our lives a little more comfortable, makes our uh, interactions more workable, 
But in terms of fulfilling our spiritual needs, it isn't sufficient. And it's because we are using meditation out of the view of our lives. The view of our lives being one in which we do things in order to. And we can use meditation very much in that view. We meditate in order to be calm, in order to be quiet, in order to be more centered, in order to be more focused, in order to. And then we are using meditation in alignment of our everyday view of the world, how we are in the world. We go to work in order to earn a living. We sit in order to fill in the blank. And the reason that nothing changes is that nothing changes. Simple as that. It's the same us in meditation as out of meditation. Same qualities, same characteristics, same view we hold of the world. And even though the side benefits are felt and are um, not to underplay or downplay those qualities all, they're very important qualities, but in themselves, they're no better than going in the gym and working out and getting strong muscles in order to just a different, a different uh, quality characteristic that we're conditioning in ourselves. <clears throat> now if we stop and just look at what happens when we do sit, we can see the evolution of view within sometimes a single sitting. <clears throat> we start, we're quiet, we shut our eyes. The day's activities come up in some kind of tangled, entangled form. We think about what we did or what we should have done, what we're going to do tomorrow. We try to work out some thing that happened in the course of the day. We may reflect upon the day or thoughts about the day come up, thoughts about relationship, thoughts about something I said or shouldn't have said or did say. And somehow within the meditation, reference of the meditation, we know that that isn't what we're supposed to be doing. So we don't perpetuate it too long. We just let it go. It comes up and engages us for a while. Sometimes it can be the whole meditation itself, but other times when we're meditating and we're more stable, we're able to let go of that kind of content, that kind of processing the content. And what happens, it's interesting, is the content goes into abeyance. It isn't as troubling anymore. Now what's really happening in that moment is a view is being changed. And it's very important to understand that it's not just something that's within us that's happening only in the silence, in the solitude of meditation, but there's a view that's being let go of and another view that's coming in place. There's an evolution of view that is transpiring within that single hour of sitting. And sometimes what happens, and the next thing that arises after the content has quieted a little bit, are the patterns of mind that are very conditioned, are kind of a conditioned stream 
of emotions and feelings and thoughts. Sometimes they're around impatience or restlessness. All of the hindrances are these patterns of mind. There are many more patterns than just those hindrances, but the hindrances are the most commonly felt qualities that can arise and all of a sudden we're sitting and we feel very restless about something and we have a whole relationship to the restlessness, a whole way of looking out upon the world through our restlessness and identifying restlessness in relationship to everything else. But the mind is a little quieter because it's not as engrossed in the content. It's more allowing the quietude of the processes, the patterns of mind, to be seen. And then as we, as long as we don't move in relationship to the pattern, see we didn't move in relationship to the content, and, the, and that view then subsides and something else comes in, and the evolution of view, some other view comes in. Now the patterns of restlessness and sleepiness and doubting come in. And if we don't move, if we do nothing in relationship to that new, they go in abeyance. If we do something in them, we encourage it. We continue the view. If I have a lot of content, and I should have said that, and I get involved in that content, and yeah, why did I say that? And oh my God, what was wrong with me when I said that? And oh, God, I, she'll never forgive me. And if I get it, then I'm acting out in relationship to the content that's coming up in me and sustaining the view, right? So the way to let the view evolve is not to involve ourselves in it, not to act as if it were true, but to let it be, let it go. And as that view then uh, just dies from its lack of involvement, and the pattern, pa uh, patterns of mind come up, and that's not involved in or engaged in either, then what happens is a new view entirely. And that view is of the processes of mind within space, spaciousness. So within that meditation, sometimes within the same hour, there can be enormous space. And the things that arise within the mind have no meaning in and of themselves, but they are the particles of the old view. They are like looking at the photograph, and at first you see the photograph and the content of what the photograph says. Well, that's when I was graduating from college in 1969. Then as you take a magnifying glass and you look at the paper, no longer engrossed in the content, you see something else. You see what that, that picture is really made of. It's not made of what we think it is, which is the school and myself and all the other content, but actually the paper content itself. So in the mind, analogous to that, is that we begin to see the components of the content. The, the thoughts and the feelings and the physical sensations and the sights and the sounds and the smells and just what the senses take in which when all which when allowed to run free form all of that content and how did that come about through our non-involvement through our non-grasping through our not through our allowing that view just to fall back into repose into quietude and from that not doing, not participating in, not seizing upon, the content falls out, falls away. Then we come up out of the meditation 
and we seize upon things again. We know exactly who we are. We go right off into the refrigerator and get something to eat. Why do we do that? To establish and re-engage our old view. To reassert the old subject-object relationship with all of its content and all of its fullness and all of its completion. And just not even involving ourselves in the view of the more refined view that came out of our meditation. We forget about that. Oh, that had to do with meditation. That was the product of my sitting. But it's not. It was a change in how we were perceiving things. And we don't let that perception, or we don't encourage that perception outside of the formal meditation. So how do we encourage that perception when we get up from the meditation? Well, in exactly the same way. We can meet life in the form of involvement, of having, of being, of doing, of acting it out. Or we can be quiet inside. It's really the old view of doing or having. I've called it lots of different things in our time, in the years here together. The products of life, engaging ambition, or and just simply watching and observing and not grasping forth that old view, but learning about life in a way that allows that view to quiet, not to be re-engaged in the same way. And just allowing the processes of life from having to being, from doing to not doing, it's how we look upon life. Are we willing to put forth the effort not to get so enmeshed in it, but to let it go? And to just see it for what it is, rather than in asserting our belief and self-description in each and everything that we confront all along the way. So it's not what it's not, the problem uh, in the meditation is what we bring to it, the view that we bring to the meditation, which makes the meditation a problem. Our wants and desires, it's what we want to get out of our meditation that makes the meditation sustain the same view. And if we're just willing to participate in the process of meditation itself, without any expectation, without any desire to get or achieve something from it, that is the description of the new view. That is what brings forth the new vision, the new understanding, the new relationship to both our inward world and our outward world. And what we have to be willing to do is to allow ourselves and our engagements to go into abeyance. Not to be so assertive, not to reach out and try to sustain our place in the world moment after moment, but rather to learn about how it is 
that our place is sustained, how it is that through our old view we sustain ourselves. Because the way to transfer, for, I hope this isn't getting too abstract, I hope people are able to follow me because it's a very important part of meditation and if we are sincere about really wanting the meditation to deepen within us, I think it's an essential point as to how that happens. I think many of us think that the process itself somehow just by doing it is sufficient. That somehow there'll be some kind of a cumulative effect over time and we'll have grown into the spiritual. And we may find ourselves months or years in practice and nothing's changed within us. Our same reactions are there, our same path, everything. Because to be transformed means it changes the way we see things. When people talk about the oneness of life, that's the way they see. Now how do they see that? They don't see suddenly everything tied together in some fabric that we can't perceive. They see it through the allowance of another view, another presentation to show itself. And it's because of the way we act from this presentation that holds us in the relationship of you and I, this and that, subject-object. And if we want that new view to emerge, to show itself, we have to involve ourselves in what that new view is about, to perceive it, to try to bring it out within our life. To try, it takes effort to do that. It's not passive. It takes renunciation. I mean, when I talk about the fact that meditation should not be separate from your full everyday life, most people's eyes light up and think, oh yes, I can have it all and change in the process. I think they don't have to give up anything. They can just do whatever they've always been doing and suddenly they'll be spiritual somehow. There's no giving up at all. But renunciation is at the heart of this transformation. It's the willingness to give up the old view. That's renunciation. It's the willingness to give up the way you perceive things the assumptions that you have about things and to see what is on the other side of those assumptions. And so what the process is, is the learning about how it is that we tie ourselves to those assumptions, the pain that those assumptions cause us. All Dharma talks come from exploring those old views. That's what a Dharma talk is. When you hear about desire and suffering, <laughs> That's what it's doing. It's talking about the limitation of that view that we hold life. And so we have to explore it and learn from it and all of this before we're willing to let go of it. Before we are actually allowing ourselves to renounce, renounce that and bring forth the new vision, bring forth the new birth of ourselves, the new sense of who we are or who we are not but we hold and maintain and sustain that sense 
for long, long periods of time. And so when we say, oh yes, practice in daily life, that's for me. How many of you here can really do it? Feel like it's doing something for you? How many of you think that it's really working for you? And so I hope you're willing to ask yourself why not, if not. I hope we're willing meeting week after week like this to question among ourselves to see where it is that we can grow and to look differently to explore those old views and let that new view come in and so renunciation is merely the willingness to let go of the old way of seeing things, the old perspective. And it takes effort. And the effort is the effort of releasing the old view. And that's why meditation often feels cumbersome or a burden, is because we operate from a process, meditation, from a form, meditation, which its whole purpose is to reestablish another view. And we take that meditation and we don't allow it to t do what it's supposed to, which is to transform us to that n new view. We hold it in place with the old view. And we wonder why it's such a burden to try to be mindful. It's because we're doing a process form with a product mental mentality. We are doing a form that is supposed to take us to the process of life, to the nature of life itself, to the relationship, the quality of the contact. And we do this with a sense of gain, sense of having, a sense of acquiring, sense of wanting, which is an old view. So we block what meditation can do to us or for us by placing this glass shield. I don't know if you all remember the commercials of Gardal. An invisible shield. <laughs> like you're unable to penetrate. And we wonder why it's such a burden to be mindful. Because mindfulness comes from another view. Mindfulness is natural when it's the view is there. But when it's not there, it's a burden because it's putting on something where the mind, putting on something on top of the mind when the mind isn't willing to, to see in the way that's being directed. <clears throat> and that's why it feels like so much effort, is because the effort comes in trying to put a view from one dimension on top of a mind from another dimension. And so it's like an added thing over the top. When the effort that we really need is just to align ourselves with that new view. And the important verb in that alignment, which was another leg of that stool, 
is the verb learning. When I'm willing to learn and not grasp of hold of, and not possess, and not contain, then the learning itself is that new view that's emerging. It not only teaches us about the old, it is the new view itself. And so things are in aligned. And that's what the meditation is about. Meditation is the willingness to have that new alignment with learning and with being fed in the processes of life through how it is that we orient ourselves to life. And through that right, proper orientation, then the whole thing, we wake up, brings us and allows us to wake up. And then there's never a question of whether you're progressing sufficiently or not. It's a question of whether you're learning or not. And then the whole thing feeds upon itself. So I'm just going to stop there. It seems sufficient. Maybe we can talk about it or however you'd like. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.